0: be together. Psalm 103 says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. We've come to bless you, God. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals your disease, together. Come on.
1: The beauty of the living Lord Oh God be praised God be praised Fix our eyes
2: Father, praise the Son, and praise, praise. won the war, and His body bears the scars that they're the mark of His reward. Written on His side, and written on His robe, are the words, King of kings, and the words,
3: Lord of
0: Well, if I haven't met you, my name's Abby. I'm the worship pastor here at Friday Night. And um, if there's something you should know about me, I love Costco. I love Costco. Um, so if you're ever wondering on a Saturday, where are the Burleys? We're probably at Costco. Um, but recently, I was at Costco, and I'm checking out with my three-month-old Maggie, who is done. She's just crying her head off. And I go to pay for my groceries and my card is declined. We've all been there, right? And it was not like, swipe it again. It was like, do not pass go, full stop, call the bank, you're done. So a woman, a couple people behind me comes up and she puts her hand on my shoulder and says, please let me pay for your groceries. And I did what all of us probably do when someone offers help, we say, what do we do? oh, that's okay. I'm not in need. It's okay, guys. I want everyone to know. I don't need your help. There's money in the bank. And she said, no, I see you. Let me do this for you. So she pays for my groceries, and I go and I get in the car, and I have this overwhelming sense of being seen by the Father. And I think sometimes we don't want to come to God with the little things. Was this a moment of life or death? No. Could I have left without paying and not taking my groceries? Yes, it's not the end of the world. But God saw me and he used that amazing woman to bless me. And I heard the Lord say so clearly, I am not bored with the details of your life. And I feel like that's a word for us tonight, that some of us are carrying things that are making us just soul-weary. Are they life or death? Maybe not. But we don't bring them to God because we say, I'm not in need. I only need to come to God with the big things. But I want to tell you tonight, God is not bored with the details of your life. We serve a God who is a good father and he wants us to run to him again and again and again and again. So as we give tonight, Maybe there are some things that we can create a moment of surrender here, some things that we can bring to the Father. Amen. God, thank you that you are a God who reigns over all, but you are also a God who meets us in the small things of life. And I pray, God, that as we bring an offering of worship tonight, that you would remind us that you are near, even in the moments that are small, that seem insignificant. So I pray that you are glorified in these gifts, God, that you go with them to bring hope and life to the world around us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's continue to worship as we give.
4: Take your seats really quickly. We're going to dedicate a beautiful little boy. If you would join me in welcoming the King family to the stage. Give it up for the King family as they come. The Von Trapp family singers. The family Von Trapp. Are they here? Are the kings here? Bueller. Okay. Well, if the kings are here in the next couple minutes, holler at me. Otherwise, anyone else got a baby? Anyone else got a, <laughs> Anyone else pregnant? Anyone else thinking about having a baby, okay? We can pray. All right. Fantastic. Would you stand back up with me? That was just excellent. It's been a great night here at church. Have a great weekend. Go from here in God's grace and peace. No, take two minutes, cross the aisle, hug a neck, shake a hand, be nice to each other in Jesus' name. One, two, three, go. Okay, I've never been stood up by a baby at church, but, you know, this is a first for everything. Been stood up plenty of times, but never by a baby. Very good. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, quick announcement tonight before we get started with the scriptures. We have uh, a bunch of short-term mission trips for next year, 16 of them that are on the schedule, and we've got information at the booth in the back. It's also online but I just wanna keep pushing and and prodding. I I don't have any other reason to do this except to say to see the nations of the earth, to go and serve people who can never repay you, to go see how big and beautiful the body of Christ is, to expose if you have children, to take your children so that they can see what the world is like. It is an invaluable experience. I think I'm at 37 countries now that I've been to and I never regret going to the nations of the earth. I'm always impacted, I'm always changed. We think we're going there to serve, but we are actually the ones that wake back up to our faith. So I encourage you to get signed up for a trip this year or in the next couple years if you can't do it this year. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings 19. It's uh, another great week of another great story that we're going to read through here. I'm going to read you the first 19 verses of, or 18 verses of 1 Kings 19. So it's a good narrative, it moves along beautifully, so just follow along, open your hearts, open your ears, open your spirits, let your imagination run tonight with the scriptures. And then I'll pray after I read it and we'll say, come Holy Spirit. So hear the word of the Lord out of 1 Kings chapter 19. It says, Now Ahab, the king of Israel, told Jezebel, his wife, everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them, I'm going to kill you. In the next 24 hours, you're dead, Elijah. And Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, his armor bearer, his man of God, the person that was helping him. He left them there. And while he himself went on a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, a tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals like pita bread that you'd see in the Middle East and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now most scholars believe that Mount Horeb is synonymous with Sinai. So he goes back to where the 10 commandments were given. It's a 200 mile journey from where he was, 40 days by foot by himself. There he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him in the cave, what are you doing here? Elijah he replied I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty and the Israelites have rejected your covenant they've torn down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword and I'm the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too he replied I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty well there it is again the Israelites have done it keep moving and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left and they're trying to kill me too. Is that all we have? Then the Lord said to him, go back the way you came. And go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king of Aram. And also anoint Jehu the son of Nimshi king over Israel. And anoint Elisha who would later become his protege son of Shaphat from abel Mahola, to succeed you as prophet." Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I have reserved 7,000 people in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. This is the word of the Lord, and all God's people said, thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, would you awaken our spirits. would you awaken our spirits? It's so easy to grow dull. It's so easy for the lamp to go out. It's so easy to show up here and fake it. It's so easy to be a cultural Christian and and have none of the power of the spirit. And we just want nothing of that tonight. We wanna be your people that are alive and alert. We wanna be your people who are living by faith. We wanna be your people willing to pay the price and, We wanna be the people of God for the world and so we pray tonight, wake us up. Let these words race through this place. Let your spirit race through our hearts and come and make us your people, we pray. We pray that every distraction would be silenced. We pray that every burden would be lifted. We pray that every head would be lifted. We pray that every heart would be healed. Lord, tonight, let your word by the power of your spirit strengthen us. We pray these things tonight in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Have you ever had a high, just like, whoo, a high that was quickly followed by a very deep low Usually for me it happens as a pastor on a week where I have like a, 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 a happy wedding or a very emotional funeral before I preach on Friday. And then I preach twice on Sunday. And, and usually I'm preaching on how to like love your family. And then on Monday I'm like, ah! I'm just a uh, just not a great dude to be around after a week like that. Like high, high, and woo, the spirit of the Lord is there, and He's empowered me to do my work. And then Monday, I crash into Monday, and the people closest to me are the ones who pay the highest price. Anyone ever had one of those weeks? High, high, quickly followed by a low, low. Well, welcome to Elijah's life. Last week we went through 1 Kings 18, and Elijah goes up and convenes this national contest with the 450 priests of Baal up on Mount Carmel and they build the altars and each of them have a calf and, or a bull and, and Elijah digs out the trench and pours water all over the sacrifice and he says, and let the God who answers by fire be the true God. And the priests of Baal cut themselves with swords and they're self-flagellating and they're yelling to the heavens and Baal does not answer but Yahweh answers and they all worship God that day and it's a high, high. He's, he's literally up on the mountaintop. Then he comes down and crashes into the valley. An epic battle, the encounter of a lifetime. This is gonna make Elijah a first ballot prophetic hall of famer. I mean, he's like this, no one's ever done this before. This is like elite performance, he's, he's crushing it. When and where has this ever happened and we read in our text tonight that Elijah A day later, gets scared and he runs. The day before, he's powerful. He's filled with the spirit. He's bold. You can't knock him off his spot. And let the God who answered, the next day, a woman scares him out into the wilderness and he runs for his life. Have you ever had a high, high preceded by a quick low, low? I'll just say tonight at the start of this, beware the letdown, the emotional whiplash, The soul exhaustion that follows a big battle. Beware. Like, heads up. You know where this is going. You know what it's gonna take to pay the price. You know the emotional exhaustion. You know how you have to be in peak form in the spirit realm to to covenant with Yahweh and to oppose the idolatrous generation but I just wanna say beware the letdown, beware the emotional whiplash, beware the soul exhaustion that follows a big battle. Elijah was pretty sure he had just revolutionized the religious life of the people of God. He's there with Ahab the king, Who had built up the high places And now he watches his impotent priests The prophets of Baal And they're destroyed and they're embarrassed And they've had a public show Made of them openly And and then Elijah starts running Down the mountain and he calls For rain from heaven and the Three year drought is swallowed up With a torrential downpour And Elijah runs so fast He's filled with the spirit that he Runs ahead of Ahab's chariot And beats him back to the capital city city. Like, put that in your pipe and smoke it, devil. <laughs> Elijah just lights him up. He's, he's in peak form. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. That was good comedy right there. <laughs> they don't pay me enough for this stuff. Seinfeld's out there knocking it down. <laughs> Elijah tore down the altars. He's sure that he has revolutionized a religious Reform in the nation these people are going to come back to Yahweh because they just saw with irrefutable evidence that this is the God of the heavens and the earth and Baal is powerless But that's not what happens he just hosted the biggest national contest you could ever imagine. He just gathered and instructed the nation. He just snapped the nation to attention. He, he ought to be riding back into the capital city with a police escort. Surely the pressure's going to stop, but that's not what happens doesn't get easier for him. It gets harder for him because Ahab goes home and tells his wife, Jezebel, who is of a different nation. She's an outsider and she's, she's not a clean woman. And he goes back and tells her what Elijah has done and she says, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't have you strung up in the city square. I'm coming for you, Elijah. Let me just first say this, the devil gets mad when you get serious have you ever decided you know what i've been asleep at the wheel i've been mailing it in i've not been faithful it hasn't required my best faculties to worship i've just i've been asleep and now i'm going to go after god with all of my heart soul mind and strength get ready for opposition the devil is not threatened by an impotent church The devil is not threatened by a church that's asleep at the wheel. The devil is not threatened by a group of people who just want to be cultural Christians. He is happy to leave that church alone. (laughs) Go for it, be cute. (laughs) But the devil gets mad when you get serious and I'll just say to you, if you're gonna follow God, expect resistance. I'll say this, sometimes we have difficulty because we're simply stupid. So I'm not saying that trouble is always from the devil. Sometimes it's because we've been stupid. We've been foolish, we've been unfaithful, and we're paying the price. It's just what happens. The wages of sin is death. You sow that seed into the ground, what harvest do you expect to come up? So let's not just blame everything on the devil. When we've been unfaithful, let's just name it and repent and move on and start planting new seeds that we can receive a new harvest in the future. So let's not, it's not always the devil's fault, right? But do you know that you're in a spiritual battle? Do you know that the stakes are high? Do you know that the enemy wants you to quit? Do you know that the enemy wants to wear you out? Do you know that the enemy wants to do a staring contest and see who blinks first? Do you know that the enemy wants us to be tired and worn out? In Ephesians six ten, we know finally, my brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that we may wage war against the devil for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. We're wrestling against spiritual wickedness in high places. Paul wants us to be ready for the fight. Paul wants us to expect resistance. Paul knows that when the body of Christ gets serious, the enemy doubles down to resist us. Do not be unwise about the devil's schemes. There's a contest for our worship. There's a contest for our affection. There's a contest for our hearts in the heavenly realms. What does Elijah do when the stakes get high? What does Elijah do when he's crashed into the valley of of bewilderment and despair, when he's depleted, when he doesn't have any strength left, when he spent it all on the top of Mount Carmel? What does he do the next day? He falls into self-pity. Oh, I've done this a thousand times. Oh, no one else is paying the price like me. Oh, no one else has a hard life like me. No one else does what I have to do, and no one else does it. My wife's like, "Shut up! I've got three kids." your life is not that hard. Why don't you drive to work? Okay, close the office door. Oh, that's so sweet. Anyone else been in self pity? <laughs> You're just exhausted. The enemy's just trying to get you to quit. The enemy's trying to get you to think that you're the only one left. Elijah is so depressed that he wants to do self harm. He wants to hurt himself, but he ends up asking God to perform an assisted suicide. Like, let's just read the Bible. Let's not let's not sort of make the Bible real cute. Let's read the Bible. He says, kill me now, God. I don't have enough courage to do it, and I'm not sure what that would you know do to my status with you, but just take me out right now. End it. He he leaves his guy and he goes a day's journey into the wilderness. Like he doesn't want to be found. He wants to die and he doesn't want his body to be recovered. Read the Bible. And then he goes on another 40-day journey. He leaves from that place. He's desperate. He wants to quit. He's got nothing left, no fight in him. Have you ever been to that brink where you're just done? Welcome to the human condition this story is going to get better, this story is going to show us that God is going to meet us in these moments, but it's okay to just say there are these moments where I've been on the high mountain the day before, and God's spirit was moving, and then I crashed down into the valley, and I want to go hide, and I want to find a hole, and, and, I, and I fall into self-pity, and I want God to end it all, and he says, it says when he came to Beersheba and Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and he came to a broom bush and sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I can't, I can't, I can't. How many times have I sat with people in hospital rooms and they said, I can't do it anymore. How many living rooms have I been in when I've seen the desperation wash over people's faces? I can't do it. and I, I don't have another run in me. Take my life, he said. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'll just say from the highest mountain of victory, Elijah crashes into the lowest valley of despair in one day. He's afraid. He's lost his self confidence. He's spent. His emotions are fried. His heart is tired. But do you know what the next verse says? And this is where it pivots toward good news. So far, we've just named. The realities of being human. But thank God the story doesn't stay with the realities of being human. It pivots toward good news here. It says, then he lay down under the bush and he fell asleep. And all at once, an angel. The Hebrew says the angel of the Lord. And and as you read on throughout the Old Testament, what you discover is the angel of the Lord is Jesus. Jesus racing into the story. Before he he was born of the virgin, Jesus has always been, he always was. Before God said, let there be, Jesus was, right? So Jesus didn't show up in the middle of the story as some new invention. The angel of the Lord, like Jesus goes out into the wilderness, the angel of the Lord gets down with a very desperate man and he touches him. And everything changes when Jesus touches you. And Jesus says, get up and eat. And he looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over coals and a jar of water. And He ate and he drank and then, and then he lay down again. Have you ever been so tired that you, you, you take a nap and then you get up and you like just scarf something and then you fall back to, like, welcome. That's okay too. That's on the table too. Sometimes that's what life leads us to do. He ate and drank and he lay down again. I'll just say in this chapter we have two naps, two meals, and a great overnight sleep. (laughs) Y'all are just wanting the Bible to be profound. Give me the meat of the word of God. Preach to me, pastor. I just cut the crap and give me the good stuff. Sometimes a nap is the good stuff. I'm a really frugal guy. I don't like to spend I, I like to, you know, sock it away and put you know, just want be like the squirrel and I tuck stuff over here and I tuck stuff. I'm just always like I'm a frugal guy, but sometimes the best thing I can do is go waste about forty dollars on a great meal. I remember doing a funeral and I was so
2: exhausted.
4: It was down south and went from the funeral. I, I, God, I can feel the exhaustion just telling you about it. It was so, so, it was terrible, frankly. And I'm in my suit and it's 100 degrees and I'm driving from the cemetery way down south in town and I just go the long, slow route like up Nevada through our our town, downtown. I'm stopping at every light and a drive that should be 20 minutes on the highway. I just want it to be 50 because I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't have anything left. And I get up to... I don't know, somehow I snake my way up to South Academy and there's a steakhouse. And it's like 30 in the afternoon. And I go into Saltgrass Steakhouse by myself. There, there's no one in there. And I've got a suit on and they're like, what happened to you? <laughs> and I said, I need a booth for one. And they said, okay. And the lady comes, I go, give me the best ribeye you have. She says, yes, sir. And I sat there for an hour by myself, just drowning myself in a ribeye. And you know, I went back home, about half a human being. Sometimes the best thing you can do is lay down and take a nap. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just go slow and eat a good meal. Sometimes, like let's just name, being human is okay. And at the point at which we fake it and we ignore it and we try to power through it, we try to power through it, we try to power through it, actually what happens is the people that are closest to us pay the highest price. Sometimes it's worth slowing down to take care of yourself so that you can be rehumanized. Lisa doesn't like naps, but I keep telling her, woman, quit resisting God. (laughs) Repent. So I'll just tuck this away. Again, this sounds too practical, and some of you think that this isn't deep teaching. That's fine. There's always next week, but I'll say... Do not underestimate the power of good sleep, decent nutrition, and some quiet time away. You need it. I want to ask you tonight as we think about Elijah ready to die, thinking he has nothing left, the question that's worth asking is, do you know what it takes for you to recover? Do you know how you recover? Because how you recover is different from how I recover and it's different from how the wards recover and do you know, do you know how to recover after a season of a big, big push? Some of us foolishly go from one adrenaline-laced project to another and we live like this and we run and we contract at this and the meetings and conferences and travel and getting on planes and sports for the kids and no wonder the Church of America has lost its power because we're just so exhausted. You know, Jesus, he's out in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 days, just like Elijah. Elijah goes out into the wilderness for 40 days and he comes back powerful. Jesus goes out into the wilderness for 40 days. He doesn't pray, or he doesn't, he does pray, he does pray, Jesus (laughs) prays. Jesus does not eat, he does. Jeez. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> False advertising. He doesn't eat, he doesn't drink water. But somehow, way, mysteriously, when the Spirit encounters you in the wilderness, you come back into the city and you've got power. And it says he came out of the wilderness and he healed all those who were oppressed of the devil. And the blind saw and the lame walked and the deaf heard and the dead were raised and the poor had the gospel preached to them. After a season of quiet time tucked away only in the presence of the Spirit, Jesus races back into life with God's power for the region. Friends, maybe the best thing you can do is slow down just a little bit. Tuck yourself away a little bit. Get some time face to face with the Spirit of the living God. Do you know what it takes for you to recover? I'll say it this way after a season of going hard and fast, your body and your soul need some time to go low and slow. But here's the next move in the text. We've got another little hinge here where it pivots, and Elijah was running and he was afraid. He had abdicated his responsibilities. He forsook his call. He was, he, he, it's, so, it's just interesting to me that he, he had the power to go up against 450 priests of Baal, but Jezebel knocked him off of his spot after he'd come off of the mountaintop. And so in this moment of despair, in this moment of self-doubt, in this moment where he wanted God to end his life, God doesn't leave the story there. Praise God that he keeps coming for us. (laughs) Hey, he says, uh, verse nine, he went into a cave. It's the image of a retreat. He's wanting to end it all again. He doesn't want his body to be found. He's he's, he's living without much food, and he's on the brink, and he wants God to end his life. In verse nine, God says to him, what are you doing here, Elijah, Elijah? Has God ever spoken to you like that? Have you ever run away from God and you thought you were going to get away with it? <laughs> some, some people have told me about this. I, I've, I've heard. I've, 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 you know, I've been there. I've run away from God and I thought I was going to get away from it. And you know what he said to me? <clears throat> what are you doing here, Daniel? Your parents raised you better than this. They told you since you were a child that you're filled with an excellent spirit. They told you that you're gonna be a man of God for the world. They told you that you're anointed by the spirit of the living God to speak good news to the poor. Hey, Daniel, what are you doing here? Because this isn't who you are. This isn't your identity. You can run, but you can't hide. What are you doing here, Elijah? God says to him. That's verse nine, and then verse 13. Then a voice said to him again, what are you doing here, Elijah? Have you ever had someone just nag you like it's a holy nag? Like, like hey dad, hey dad, hey dad, hey dad, hey dad. Hey, When w- you said you would do this. Dad, when are you gonna do that? Leave me. <sighs> what are you doing here, dad? What are you doing here, dad? What are you- hey, why don't you rise up into your word? Why don't you actually do what you said you were gonna do? Take us to Sonic to get ice cream. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? God keeps coming to him. And then in verse 15, God gets really direct with Elijah and he says, Go back. Elijah, I gave you some time. It's okay. You were exhausted, you were depleted the letdown, the emotional whiplash, it got you, that's normal. I'm gonna let you tuck away in the cave. I'm gonna let you run through the wilderness. And I'm so gracious that even as you run away and abdicate your responsibilities, I'm gonna give you bread and I'm gonna give you water and I'm gonna let you lay down and take a rest. I'm gonna give you bread, I'm gonna give you water, I'm gonna let you lay down and take a rest. I'll let you go hide in the cave for just a little bit. But this is the God who ultimately loves us too much to leave us alone in the back of the cave. What are you doing here, Elijah? Go back the way you came. Let's go. Stand up. It's time. I've given you time. You're refreshed. Now you've got to live back into your vocation. I have put too much in you to let you squander it. Go back. Go back. I want to ask you tonight, what are you running from? What are you running from? You knew from a young age God demanded something of your life, that he gave you a dream, that he birthed something in your spirit. You went to a youth camp one time when you were 14, and you left your parents for the week, and you worshiped, and you played, and you had so much fun. And the Holy Spirit, somewhere in that week, dropped a dream. And you just knew it. And you actually had childlike enough faith to believe it and to be excited about it. And then life keeps coming. And then wounds keep happening. And then bills keep stacking up. And adult responsibilities come your way. And it just piles on. It piles on. And the debris of life clutters around the, 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 the construction site of the dreams of God in our spirit. And it buries it. God will not leave us there. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing with that dream I gave you? What are you doing? Wake up. And he says to us ultimately, go back, go back. I'm not going to let you run from this thing. Go back the way you came. And I just want to ask you tonight, what are you running from? That God has put in your spirit to give to the world. He is not going to let you very easily get off the hook because he loves you so much to put you in a spot to actually execute the plan that he dropped in your spirit. What are you running from? I am not saying that you should run back into something that's dangerous. Please hear me. You could hear a text like this and you go, well, actually, I had to get my kids out because it was was dangerous for them. I'm not saying be foolish and, and put yourself in harm's way. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the dreams that God has given you, what are you running from? I am saying that you cannot run from and continue to ignore a process of healing that the Lord is wanting to take you on. Elijah was wounded. Elijah was broken. Elijah had lost hope. He had lost heart for the future. And God does not ultimately let us stay tucked in the back of that cave. Go back the way you came, Elijah. I'll say it this way what you bury, you will carry. You can't, you can't run. I'm just, I've got that habit, I've got that issue, I've got that kind of secret sin, and I'm just, I'm just gonna keep going, keep going, I'm gonna keep going, I'm, gonna keep going I'm, gonna, oh, I'm just trying. I'm around the people of God, la 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 la. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. I'm gonna distract myself, I'm gonna ignore it. What you bury, you will carry into the future, I promise you. What are you running from, Elijah? Go back. Get whole. Be strong. The world needs you, Elijah. You can't retreat. You can't hide. Your life is not going to ebb away in the back of a dark dungeon. Elijah, wake the heck up. What you bury, friends, you will carry. What you ignore will incubate within you. What you ignore will incubate within you. And I'll say until you address it, the thing you're looking away from will dominate your future. Until you address it, what we do is we look away, we look away, we look away, we look away. We want to distract ourselves. It would cost too much to pay attention to that. It would cost too much to find a counselor. It would cost too much to repent. It would cost too much to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, please forgive me, so I'm just going to kind of fake it, fake it, fake it, and maybe just one mysterious day I'll show up and it will have handled itself. No, no, no. What you look away from will continue to dominate your future. So Elijah hears from the Lord Elijah, what are you running from? Go back, do the work, press in. You were made for vitality, you were made for the fight. You were made with vigor in your being. You were, made, you were well made. You were blessed when I made you. I made you for the war. I made you for the fight. I made you to go to the top and to call down fire. I made you to press in. Elijah, I'm not going to let you stay here. God wants to speak to all of us tonight like he spoke to Elijah. God wants to ask us questions tonight like he asked of Elijah. He said, what are you doing here? And then he says, go back. This text makes us think about how God speaks to us. So I wanna just drop down for a few more minutes. I'm I'm getting ready to land the plane, but I want you to think about how God speaks to us. And this is one of the most iconic texts about the voice of the living God. We read it earlier, but in verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. He calls him out of the cave, go back but let's just get you out here first. Let's make the first move. Let's get you exposed to the light of day. Let's get some fresh air in your your lungs, Elijah. Go stand on the edge of the cave and wait for the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face. And he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. It was not in the noisy national conference on the top of Mount Carmel that Elijah heard the voice of God. It was not in the storm of, of his emotions that Elijah heard the voice of God. It was not in his busy prophetic schedule. It was not in his traveling that he heard the voice of God. It was not in the, in the thunderous applause of the people. It was not in the, the, the rough and tumble of all of... And isn't it interesting that when the whisper of God blows in, Elijah gets scared of it? He pulls the cloak over his head. I'll just say, we are too, we too are scared of the quiet. We Americans, we love the fire. We love the earthquake. We love the national conferences. We love the busyness. We love all of earth. Oh, there's God, and God is doing great. No. God can be heard in the still, small voice. You know what? In the Hebrew, the still, small voice is the English translation that we're so used to, but the Hebrew translation, a better translation, is the sound beyond the silence. You wanna hear God? Get quiet. You wanna hear God? Get up in the morning and don't touch your phone. say, come Holy Spirit. I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. I've got these kids. They're going to come down the stairs in about 30 minutes. I have no idea what to do to be a great dad. I have no idea what they're facing out there in the world. And frankly, Lord, as I watch the news cycle and as I listen to all the bullet points of what's happening, it scares me. But God, I need you to speak Lord, would you take care of this church? Would you take care of our people? Would you take care of those who are without jobs? Lord, would you speak to those who are hopeless? And would you help those who are on the brink and those who are living in sparrow? Oh God, would you help? Do you hear him? Can you feel his presence in the silence? Do you know that God is always there? Here's the thing. Lisa, come here. We didn't talk about this. Come here. Do you know why God can whisper? Because He's close. You can whisper when you're close. We think he's this big and powerful God. And he's so far out there that he's got to shout to get our. No, he can whisper because he's close. And in the morning you get up and you say, God, I need you. And we, we start off the day thinking he's way out there. But then he goes, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give it as the world gives it to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And then 6 a.m., I hear the little footsteps of my, my whole life of responsibility come down. And somehow, someway, there's a peace be still in my soul. We can wait on the Lord, wait patiently for the Lord. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not be faint. If you will give yourself over to the quiet in a world that is drunk on noise, you will be the people of God who step out into the noise and you will be the gentle whisper of God's voice. Friends, today I'm begging you to make quiet space for the Lord every single day. It is not hard. It does not, it's not rocket science. You don't have to have a master's of divinity to do this. What you do is you go find a room and you shut the door and you take a chair and you you sit in the chair and you get your coffee and you open the scriptures and you go, God, I need you. He's not in the earthquake, he's not in the storm, he's not in the fire, he's not in all the activity. If you find him in the whisper, then you will step out into the storm and you will have the power of the spirit of God on your life. Friends, tonight, I'm here to tell you God is close and God is speaking. Are you listening? Elijah got scared of the quiet. But the saints that I know that have walked with God for a long time are those who get really comfortable living in the quiet spaces with God. Tonight, I want you to make a daily practice multiple times a day of sitting quietly to wait on God. As we come to close, I want to ask this same question that God asked Elijah and I want to ask it of you. And if you could bring the house lights down just a little bit. The band is going to come. They'll get a little music pad going here. But I want us to To turn this into a time of reflection and prayer. Could you turn the stage lights down even? I want to practice this passage right here as a congregation. So would you quiet your hearts and get your body settled there in the seat and open yourself up and maybe even open your hands. Whatever you need to do to get comfortable in the presence of the Lord where you can hear from him and respond to him. I want to ask you what are you doing here? I want to ask you what are you running from? Is there anything you're ignoring? Is there anything you're afraid to talk about? Is there anyone that you need to make things right with. Are you hiding? I don't say that to shame you. I say that to say you don't have to do that anymore. I say it to say that the back of the cave is not your home I say it to say you are made with way too much greatness to run away. What are you doing here? There's an invitation to come back home for all of us tonight. There's an invitation to step back into our greatness tonight. And I say that unapologetically. In every single one of you, there is greatness. God put it there and the enemy wants you to run from it the enemy wants you to go tuck in the cave what are you running from? it's unnecessary I want to say to you the next phrase go back the way you came go back reawaken the dream go back step back into your power Go back, covenant with God again. You will not find a more fulfilling life than covenanting with God. It may cost you everything, but you'll be happy. (laughs) You may need a good nap and a good meal and some quiet time away regularly, but you'll be happy. Because those who are locked in with Yahweh are happy. Those who look to the Lord are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame. In the presence of the Lord, there's fullness of joy. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. The only way you'll be happy is if you go back. So friends tonight, would you hear from the spirit of the living God? Go back the way you came step back into your life with strength step back in with boldness step back in with vigor step back in with faith let me also say this i didn't plan to say this but i know i know prophetically i'm supposed to say this some of you do need a season of hibernation right now you have paid the price you have, you, have, you have wept bitter tears, and you have, you have been depleted, and you've, you've lost so much. It's okay. There, do not walk away tonight feeling shamed. No. Those of you who are in the room tonight, and you know you need to tuck away for a little bit, you know as I'm saying it that that's you. Enter into that season and receive the season of naps and good food and quiet time away, and let God heal you. That's okay, you need that. So if that's you tonight, receive that word and you will hear the Lord when he says it's time to go back. Friends tonight, would you stand with me? I wanna invite our communion servers to come forward And as you make the journey through, I want you to think of yourself as on that same journey that Elijah took. All right, let's go. He's walking back. As you come through, some of you are waking back up tonight. Some of you are getting your courage back tonight. We're gonna worship the Lord. Come through, get your communion elements. If you're not able to physically come through, ask a neighbor, they'll bring you an extra. Hold it there at your seat when you're done. And in just a minute after we worship, I'll come back up and we'll receive together. Let's worship Jesus. Yeah Something she wanted to share before we receive communion, so hear this from Lise.
5: Uh, as Daniel was talking, I just kept thinking about when Elijah got, when he was tucked away, that the enemy likes to remi- make us think that those dreams are gone, mm-hmm. that because we took a break yep. or because there was a season in life that we couldn't pursue that dream, that now it's over. Yeah. And I think about me as a mom yeah and how so often. Those seasons feel like, well, I'm I'm on hold. Yeah. Maybe it's gone. Maybe it's not there. Maybe mm. I missed my chance. And mm. reality it's like, no, I'm just getting you ready. Yeah. It's okay. The yeah. time's coming. It's good. Just stay in hiding and you'll be ready to go. So I just wanted to encourage you that even if You've had to take a break, yes. or if you've had to step aside yes. from something for a season, that doesn't mean it's gone. That's the enemy's lie trying to make you think yes. that you're not of value at this
4: you point. You better preach, girl. You better preach. Stay here. Can you open your communion elements? I want to read you verse 7. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. For you. For me. For us, the journey is too much. But Jesus comes tonight and he says, get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. So he got up, Elijah, and he ate and drank and what? What happened? strengthened by that food he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached horeb the mountain of god tonight the journey's too much for us but jesus is here and strengthened by this food we're going to get up and go for another 40 day journey we're going to have our power back we're going to we're going to fight again we're going to live again and so tonight i want you to see jesus would you close your eyes and imagine that you got to be in the upper room that night At the Last Supper, Jesus is there. Do you see what he's about to have to go do? He's about to take a cross and climb a hill. He's about to pay the ultimate price. He's about to be buried. Do you see how relaxed he is too? He's looking at you and me and he says, the journey's too much for you. So get up and eat. Eat. And tonight, as we receive this bread and this drink from Jesus, we're going to be strengthened for the journey, and we're going to go for the next run. And so Jesus takes the bread tonight, and he breaks it, and he passes it to us, and he says, this is my body, which is broken for you, and as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me, get up and eat, receive the bread from Jesus tonight. what is this cup all about? This cup is all about forgiveness. This cup is all about a new start. This cup is all about going back the way you came. Let's go. (laughs) Jesus says, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins and as often as you do this, do this for the remembrance of me. Friends, tonight, God is for you. Your sins have been forgiven drink up to this forgiveness. Let's worship the Lord together.
2: Death could not hold you. The veil tore before you. You silenced the boast of sin and grave. The heavens are
4: Let him speak to you because he's close. This week I pray for power to go back the way that you came. (laughs) This week I pray for fearlessness. This week I pray no shame. This week I pray that you'd play big, no playing small. This week I pray that you'd be courageous. This week I pray that you would be joyful. May the joy of the Lord be your strength. I pray, may the Lord our God bless you and may He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you and may He be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift His bright, smiling countenance upon you and all of your people, and may He grant you shalom tonight in the name of the Father and the Son the Holy Spirit and all God's people said can we give the Lord thanks for what he's done here tonight 801 a couple things we'll have our prayer team down front Um, I'm supposed to tell you again that there's the uh, mission trip information in the back if you're new come see us at guest central and go from here tonight in God's grace and peace so much love